Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. One more hour to go on Wes and Walker talking about the best dunks in dunk contest history. You can text us and send in your entry, 704-570-9610. That's the Garage Door Guru text line. Cowboy Squirt wrote in the Spud Web dunk. Yes, that was one that I enjoyed as well. Yeah. I, that that made it on the cutting room floor, but that was definitely in contention. 828 number wrote in Spud Webb in the dunk contest in the 80s against teammate Dominique Wilkins. Mm. The problem is, a lot of people feel like Dominique should have won that dunk contest and they only gave it to Spud because the dude was 5'7". Do you have any problem with them giving it to Spud? No, I don't because his performance was fantastic. The dunks he did, especially for his size, because that one he did do when he threw it up and caught it backwards and crossed his legs in the air, that was dope. I mean, it's such a long way for him to get up there. It felt like it was forever for him to get up to the rim, but he got there. He's still the shortest to ever do it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, I never saw Earl Boykin's dunk. I never saw Muggsy Bogues dunk. Yeah, other than that, it was guys... him and Nate Robinson when you talk about in the dunk contest. And the fact that Robinson was actually taller than Spud Webb. Right. That's what's crazy. That's what I'm saying. So a couple people put that. Uh, Chips Tiki Hut, he asked Fiddy. He said, uh, Fiddy, has Wes ever dunked? Have you ever dunked, Wes? It's a great question. Yeah, I did. Uh, in a when, game? No, 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 no. I did it one time at middle school. I, I said it on here before, but the time when I got cut from my middle school team for being out there acting like I was uh, LeBron James or something like that. So did you deserve to get cut? I did. <laughs> I did. What, what would you mean you acted like you were LeBron? I was out there like just doing my own thing, feeling like I had it in the bag already because I was one of the better players at the school, and I just thought I had it in the bag. and. But I went out and made an AAU team after that, though, that I had to try out for. So that that I was you talking about waiting by the phone like I was I needed that validation. Did did you play against some pretty good competition in AAU? I did. did yeah. You anybody that like made it to D1 or anything uh, like that? I don't remember because I only played a little bit because, you know, AAU could be expensive. And, you know, yes. coming up, you know, the traveling and stuff. I went to like two tournaments that we played in. Uh, it was the Charlotte Stars was the team that I played for. And then I remember we played this one team. They had this kid that was like 6'6", and he could play. And I got in, and I played pretty good defense on him. So, um, you know, but other than that, I can't remember any guys specifically that I would have known that turned out to be prospects. You didn't play in high school at all? I did. I played ninth grade. Okay. I did JV ninth grade, but then once I knew that football was going to be my sport, I, I just didn't like being at school every day. And basketball would have made that happen all the time, especially. Yeah, yeah you've been you know, a good early player, morning though. practice. Yeah, I did all right, man. I, I led our little JV team in blocks and stuff, and I <laughs> I got some buckets here and there, man. But uh, that was definitely an era of big men. A hundred percent. App State Andrew, he wrote in Fiddy's dunk from Church League. Can Hold on, tell- I didn't tell you when I dunked real quick. Okay, I make it fast though. I did it no, in middle school when I got cut. I did it one time before when gym class was over. I was trying it out, and then I I dunked it, and then I just looked at the coach that cut me and walked into the locker room. I'm petty like that. And did he feel? I'm like sure he, he did because it? he had multiple guys that ended up quitting on that team. He had no clue what he was doing. Like uh-huh. he was our football coach and our basketball coach, and he didn't have a clue what he was doing. Um, Rob the realtor wrote in Aaron Gordon versus Zach Levine. Yeah, man. Best dunk contest to me, that's in the greatest, history. Yeah. 
Yeah, I could agree with that. So you're so you think it's the best dunk contest in dunk contest history? It's up uh, there. I would say so as far as just the the competition. I mean, the one that Vince Carter won, cats were getting busy. When you talk about Steve Francis and T Mac was in there. And then, of course, you got to go back to the old Dominique Jordan ones. Those are the ones that a lot of people will probably be the most nostalgic about. Well, so and people that's why people are angry about Dominique not winning, because they said that he should have beat Spud. But Spud won at five, seven and that he should have beat Jordan. He should have got Jordan that one year, man. It was in Chicago, too, if right. I'm not mistaken. Right. So, you know, they were going to give it the mic. That's the like thing. when it came up there and punched somebody in the face. Did Dominique have a dunk contest title? He has to have one, right? I think he did get one. Let me double check. I All think right. he did. You get you be our because the windmill barely missed the cut. In the meantime, let's go to Fiddy and talk about his dunk in Church League. Can you run us through what was going through your mind on that slam that you had all the way back in Church League? And was this post or pre torn ACL, Fiddy? Well, you gotta you gotta get the context. Okay. In Church League, it was a sin to dunk the ball. You weren't. You, you, <laughs> Why you, was it a sin? Because if, because if you dunk the ball, it was a technical foul. So we weren't allowed to dunk. We actually had a guy on our team. <laughs> Uh, his name was Dale Crawford. He'd be big country if he was in the room. He kind of looks like Drew from down the hall. Oh, Dale Crawford. He one time dunked in pregame, and we got teed up, and we already started the game down like 2 nothing. And dude, my dad was pissed, <laughs> you know, because we're already starting from behind, and we weren't a very good team as it was. So, therefore, you know, I respected the game. So, therefore, I didn't dunk. I wanted to dunk when I tore my ACL. I had the gold chain. It was bouncing out of the shirt. The tongue was out, and there was saliva going all over the place. Mm. And then my knee just gave out, and I crumbled to the floor like, uh, yeah. <laughs> that would be impressive to see a 5'2 guy win a dunk contest. That would be 100% yeah. impressive. So you did say Dominique won two times? Yeah, he won contest. 84 and 85. He went back-to-back. Back. Okay, so uh, Hornets Ron said 85 and 90. Dominique he was in five. He was in five. Mm-hmm. He won two. They said um, 1984. Okay. And then, yeah. And then 1985, they said he beat Michael Jordan in the finals. Okay. Indianapolis. All right. So uh, Dominique Wilkins there at least having some hardware in the dunk contest. Uh, Conspiracy King also went to the last good dunk contest was Levine and Aaron Gordon. That That was was epic too, as we were just talking about that, about that maybe being the best dunk contest of all time. And here's the problem, man. So if you go look up the list of the entries now, I know it's Mac McClung and I'm trying to get to the other guys' names, but I don't know who they are. Like, you got to look them up. And these are dudes that aren't providing any stats. I mean, I'm talking about zero. And I thought we had hit not an all-time low because I hate doing that kind of thing. But remember when Jeremy Evans won, okay? Jeremy Evans won where he dunks the ball like two basketballs at one time. And that was a Utah Jazz player that never really did a whole lot during his tenure. And now we're going to where all of the entries are guys that – casual fans even some pretty big nba fans don't know who they are yeah i mean that's where we are right now i've always been one that thought it was overstated when people would talk about how the dunk contest is dead Mm -hmm. it'll never come back it actually would like people were talking about that when blake griffin jumped over the kia and then when we had dwight howard doing superman stuff we were talking about the dunk contest being overplayed even then and also with zach levine and aaron gordon and then Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine, they go at it again, and that was a pretty good dunk contest. And so it comes back every now and then. But when it's bad, boy, is it bad. Yes. Because the stars aren't doing it. LeBron James was like the first big-time star we all wanted to see that never did it. He told us he was going to be at the dunk contest, and he never did. And a lot of people don't like him because of that. That's one of the reasons. 
That, that you don't? That, yeah, definitely. That played a big part in why I don't like him. It's not even about his play. A lot of people don't like LeBron. Yeah, I didn't like that. Because he doesn't do the dunk contest or never did. And yeah. then it got to a point where it was too late to go back because he's older now. Yeah, I felt like you got to get in at least one time. If you consider yourself a dunker, you have to get in at one time. Well, and the thing is, do you remember watching him with those McDonald's All-American dunk yeah. contests? The dude, his shoulders were above the rim. And they weren't anything crazy. Right. This is This is what I remember watching as a fourth fifth grade kid him having the alley-oops to himself throwing them up there then bouncing up and all he's doing he's not doing between the legs or anything crazy like that his shoulders are above the rim all it is is a self alley and people are losing their mind deservedly so and it wasn't all that intricate yeah and he tries to say that you know well i'm a game dunker i'm not a contest dunker but dude as calculated as you are in your regular life, you telling me that you can't spend some time after practice getting with some guys and them giving you some ideas. There's plenty of YouTube videos of street dunkers. I mean, Lord, the stuff that they do. I, I hope I'm not taking the steering wheel of this show and then just turning it all the way into a ditch. But this is the conversation I want to have right now, if you'll indulge me. I want to go back to the ACC nostalgia days okay. and talk about some of the best dunkers. Because anytime I go back to ACC college basketball nostalgia, what I always go to and feel free to text us 704-570-9610 we have big cat dan writing in kenny skywalker 89 dunk oh, contest yeah. that's a great one mm-hmm. cassius stanley oh cassius stanley speaking of acc nostalgia yes, dunkers, acc dunkers he was he yeah. was crazy cassius stanley was absolutely insane um so we can keep having some of those names infiltrate the conversation <laughs> but for me i go back to georgia tech like oh four oh three mm-hmm that team was assembled by the best dunking cast of all time. <laughs> Jeremy Smith. Yeah. Ishmael Muhammad. Yeah. Mario West won, I believe, the college dunk contest that they would have at the end of every year. And you're not even talking about the pros on that squad. Talking about like Chris Bosh and Jarrett Jack would eventually go on to have awesome NBA careers. But we're talking about just dudes that would slam it on your face. That squad was ridiculous. And that's why it was like one of my favorite college nostalgia basketball teams ever. I mean, you talk about ACC dunkers, the pantheon for me. And folks, if you want to see a lot of this stuff. Also, you know, the the ACCDN on all platforms. We have ACC icon videos on Vince Carter, lots of guys. You can see all these crazy dunks. But listen, the pantheon for me, first of all, Steve Francis, when he was at Maryland, and he would get on those fast breaks. Somebody the one just dunk. texted as you yeah, mentioned when that, he, by the way. Yeah, when he dunked and he did the one where he took it behind his back. And, oh, Steve Francis used to get busy. Then you talk about Vince Carter. I mean, the GOAT. Also, he's goat college dunker, in my opinion, and pro dunker. But, I mean, Carolina, the, the dunk that he missed, that's, that's how you know how great about. you are. The dunk that you missed. But, I mean, when he dunked on Tim Duncan, I mean, Vince had it for anybody. And then, come on now, Zion. Yeah. The Panthea. I mean, the 360 he did against Syracuse, the windmills. I mean, the dunks that he had were just unbelievable. Okay, hold on. So, we're getting big time stank face energy over there from Fitty. I'm sure he when is. We bring up Zion. Mad that Zion we, didn't play for Carolina. Zion. If you don't, if you want to say Vince Carter was a better dunker, mad cool. I don't think there's going to be a ton of people that are mad. But you got to talk about Zion. He played like what 25 games, and it was electric. And how, and how many in the ACC? Like this dude blew a shoot. I need a month off to recover. Get out of here. Oh, but it was it. electric. That's big hate. Big hate. Big <laughs> that hate. That guy was electric. Big hate. That guy was as fun to watch. 
watch dunk a basketball as we've seen maybe since Vince Carter in the A's. That's what I'm he's saying. Also electric at the buffet when he's dunking more and more food which onto his plate. Which makes it cooler. Which makes it all the more right. cool. I want right. you to be 500 pounds and slamming like he is. Uh, oh, also too, we got to give it up to the Hornet. The guy cut tons of his highlights. Dennis Smith had sick yeah. dunks as well. The dunk at the end of the Duke game when he went up and smashed that didn't count, by the way. How many was he paid but, per dunk at NC State? As much as the Carolina players get paid. It's probably about right. All right. So anyway. So we have some great entries in here. Okay, so <laughs> David Thompson, one of the, one oh, of the yeah. goats, of course. How about Rodney Rogers? Yes. For you demon deacons yes. out there. Rodney Powerful. Rogers used to get busy. He was doing a lot of people say he was Zion before Zion. Yeah, and as far as the dunk just Yeah, man, bit. because he was out there dropping 25, 30, doing 360s and stuff like that too. I forgot about that. I think Rodney Rogers, if I'm not mistaken, in NBA history, was given like one of the worst contracts at that time. Yeah. Uh, I could be mistaken. Gotta give it up to up. MJ when he was at Carolina too. Oh, he yeah. did nasty dunks. Yeah, too. I mean it's Vince Carter, MJ, and Especially the Rock the Cradle. Yeah. That's yeah. that that's Pantheon ACC in-game dunks. That's top three, four for me to Jordan Rock the Cradle. Yeah, multiple Rodney Rogers. End of the Maryland game. Mentions, by the way, but you're right about that. Speaking of Maryland, somebody wrote in Len Bias. Of course, Len Bias was he an athletic He had some freak. decent dunks, but he didn't oh, do he was like crazy stuff. He was super athletic for sure, but his dunks, he didn't really have anything where you were just like, holy smoke. Fitty, this has to be your favorite dunk Grand of Hill. all time in college basketball history. It's got to be Danny Green over Greg Paulus, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the best facial I've ever seen in a game. Number one. I mean, Danny Green, Duncan over Greg Paulus, there are still t-shirts out there of that very dunk. You don't think so? No, it was a great dunk, but I don't know what he said. It was, might be the greatest. In college basketball? Yeah. In he, ACC? At least that in was ACC. Nasty. He put our rival with the most punchable But Vince Carter, on Vince Carter dunking on Tim Duncan, though, was more impressive. That was me. crazy. And you're right about the missed dunk. Uh, Jerry Stackhouse against oh, Duke? Oh, yeah. Jerry. And I said, too, Grant Hill... The, the alley-oop that Grant Hill caught, remember the one he caught in the NCAA tournament that always gets highlights? Well, he has one, too, that, that he caught on Georgia Tech where he uh -huh. kind of did the same thing. It was way high, and he reached way back to get that thing. So he had he had some nice – oh, got to give some love to Bob Sura from FSU. Bob Sura used to get busy. Um, I have a great one. It's a name I never would have thought of ever again. Mm -hmm. Cack Lack wrote in. How about J.P. Takoto? Yeah. Takoto uh, was a high flyer. Uh, it was Tokoto. Tokoto, that's yeah, right. I, I forgot about Tokoto. But I always forgot about him. <laughs> it's, 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 it's no, I know. I know. That's how I called it. Yes, I understand. But this is someone where I felt like people were always a little underwhelmed with his play because we were all really yeah, hyped about his but He was one time four of 60 from the foul line against Belmont. That's right. Yes, I'll always hate him for that. Yeah, didn't didn't Jason Capel have a nasty uh, dunk on Duke? I don't remember. He got oh, yeah, dunked at and one. Likes to dunk on his former uh, fan right, base. I know he was gonna yeah, 100% people are going to uh, you know, forget about that. Josh Howard, too. You know, Josh Ooh. Howard, people Josh are writing some, that in. Yeah, he has some, some okay dunks. Yeah, I don't remember him being like the yeah. athletic freak here in the ACC. Um, and uh, some of the other names we've already brought up. Stephon Marbury, maybe a little bit. I remember him being more yeah, the crossover, yeah, yeah, more yeah. the magician there. Feel free to write some more stuff in, 704-570-9610. we got to go to break. We'll come back. Two more segments to go on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba. 
Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Weston Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Hit us up on the Garage Door Guru text line 704-570-9610. Hit us up on Twitter. Weston Walker, I'm not spelling it for you. You should have paid attention in language art. 100%. We can go to that text line now and bring in some of the other dunkers. If you missed the conversation last segment, we were talking about nostalgic dunkers in ACC basketball. And some people have gone to other teams outside of the ACC. B-Money Breck. Breakfast wrote in that Josh Smith used to be a banger. Have no clue if he was ACC. He was not. Josh, Josh Smith yeah. was a high, a high school guy. That oh, yeah, yeah, NBA yeah, yeah. With the Atlanta Hawks. Now, but Joe Smith used to do some nasty dunks. Yeah. That was my guy. You mean jamming Joe Smith? Yeah, Joe Yes, Smith absolutely. Uh, not ACC again here, but Rex Chapman, who then would play for the Charlotte Hornets. And so Rex Chapman, absolutely. Give he, it up. He, he was had, in the dunk contest a couple times. I watched NBA Jam Session, and then I would go in the driveway and imitate the Rex Chapman dunk where he threw it behind his back alley to himself, and then I would slam it on a probably seven-foot goal at the time when I would try this stuff. So, yeah, that was a great one. Jerome Lane, even though not in the ACC, of course, broke the backboard. And uh, Jerome Lane, that's a good one. Did you like – Send you, it in, Jerome. Is that why you're saying that, because of the call? Yes, that, that call by Bill Rafferty. Send it in, Jerome. That's oh. the one? That's the one that makes you believe in so much nostalgia <laughs> there. Uh, I remember when – um. Who is it that shattered the backboard? The Lakers coach, Gary, Gary Trent. I don't remember Gary Trent smashing the Not backboard. Not Gary. That's the coach. Lord have mercy. I mean, I have no clue where you are right now. No, the Lakers coach, <laughs> Darvin Ham. When Darvin, Darvin Ham okay, shattered yeah. backboard on Carolina. That's right. Yes. He, he went ham, huh? Yeah. He did. He did. But he don't ham. remember that, though. Uh, 100%. Yeah. So those are some of the other ones out there uh, that are doing the dunk contest uh, entries as far as who their favorite college ACC dunkers were of all time. Yeah, I mean, there's so many to choose from, man. It, it's uh, lots of them. 100%. From. And, but, Jim, and Jim Salani, I believe, wanted to call yeah, in. Yeah, let's go. He wanted to call in and get some dunks. Jimmy, let's get it. What you got for us? Always great to come on the show with my dubs. You tear it up. No. I really <laughs> appreciate that. We appreciate it, Jim. You know, I was outside painting, and you got my, my memory going back. And, uh, you know, if, if you could go back in time and witness one thing, and I wouldn't go back for a touchdown – or a basketball shot, or a field goal, or a, a, a putt in golf, or a great shot in tennis, because they're over so fast. If I'm going to go back in time, I want to go back and watch something that took a while. And if I could go back, I would be on, I would be courtside on the court to, to watch Spud Webb, because what he did was so incredible. I'd want to witness it and over and over those dunks, you know, from ground level. And that's where I, that's where I would go back to. And and just as a footnote to Spud Webb. Uh, had the absolute worst breath of any athlete I've ever, ever interviewed. <laughs> what? What? Who else would contend? I mean, is it one of one, or is there somebody else that you think actually gives him some competition? Oh, nobody could. He could knock a buzzard off a crap wagon. <laughs> exactly so, how I describe so, it. 
so Jim, are you more impressed with a little guy who gets in there and shows out or a big guy? Because like Sean Kemp was tremendous. Dwight Howard was tremendous and they were big men, especially Dwight Howard. Or are you more impressed with the smaller Nate Robinson, Spud Webb type of guys? Oh, way more impressed. But, you know, Spud actually made me forget how short he was. His dunks were so spectacular, you know, and you got to remember uh, every time he came down, it was like jumping off the top, uh, top, top step of the stepladder. That's how far he was coming down. You know, I mean, I mean, uh, I, that's what I would want to go back and see. And uh, I did, I, I used to do little big man contests. I did it out in San Francisco and uh, we found a guy that was five, three white boy, five, three who could dunk. Mm. And we never found him. We never found anybody short. Yeah. So anyway, I, I tried to do it here in Charlotte, but we didn't have enough viewers and nobody showed up. Uh, are, are you sure that wasn't fitty during his church league days? Well, yeah, Fiddy, by the way, I could dunk the golf ball. I did that in front of people when I was 19 or 20. I dunked a tennis ball once, but nobody saw it, so that means it didn't happen, you know? That's okay. We believe you, Jim. Jim, did you remember back in the day, too, as we're talking about dunkers, the uh, the Foot Locker Slam Fest that they used to do at halftime where they used to have celebrities? You saying that made me think about that, where they would have, like, Deion Sanders and Kenny Lofton and those guys dunking. Yeah, well... Maybe they should drop the gold to nine feet, and so it could be more exciting, <laughs> and more people could dunk. Yeah, but uh, I would definitely lean toward the short guys. Nate, you brought back Nate Robinson. Rex Chapman was a highly underrated dunker. He wasn't. He wasn't short. But uh, those little guys, they always had a place and always will in my heart. You know. Do you, do you have a favorite dunker or dunk contest performance that uh, that you treasure? Well, like I said, Spud Webb was it. I mean, uh, yeah. he's, he's so far, he's so far he, he's so far and away above the other ones, you know. Uh, but I, I remember watching dunk contests that were so boring. I'm surprised they put it on the air. Like when Larry Nance won it, I'm sitting there going, "What? He hadn't done anything." <laughs> I mean, he's just tall. He's tall and he can dunk. So freaking what? You know, that's that's how I felt about it. And if you ever go back and watch those old dunk contests, because NBA TV will show all of them, and it would be like ten, twelve guys in there. And they would get like four dunks a piece every round. It would take forever. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. Um, yeah. To me, to, to me, the best part of that stuff that they do uh, is the three point is the is the long shot. And Larry Bird was, I mean, my God. I mean, I've, I've got that. I've watched that on tape so many times over and over. I mean, the guy just he had his warm up jacket on, and he and he he made that final shot in the corner and put his finger up number finger one. Up. Oh. Yeah, yeah, he knew it was going in. That really gets my temperature going. I love watching that more than any dunk contest I've ever seen. I'd, I'd rather watch the, the long, uh, whatever they call it, uh, three-point shot, whatever it is. That is more fun to watch because you really get to see guys choke. You get to see guys choke. You don't know when a guy's dunking the ball is if he chokes or not. But you see it You see it when they're shooting and they're down the final two or three and you see him miss all five from a, from a certain ball rack. You go, oh, my God, he is choking the big time. Jim liking the guys going through pain during some of these shot processes. We appreciate it, Jim. Thanks for calling in, man, and sharing some dunk stories. You're welcome. Um, just real quickly, Deron Washington, another excellent name. That guy was crazy from Virginia Tech. Deron Washington, I'm sure Kyle Bailey appreciates that one. And so uh, we appreciate people writing in. And then last one I'll, I'll leave you with. LD, uh, oh, go ahead. L.D. Williams. L.D. Williams, yeah. And we talked about during the break, my man, uh, Trent Williams, though. Strickland. From for Trent Strickland. Trent Williams. I always Getting got my your man's man name wrong. Mm-hmm. Must not be your man's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you don't get my yeah. name wrong. No, Trent Strickland used to catch some nasty lobs 
from CP. So, yeah, man, it was great. We'll see the dunk contest this weekend. I'm not that enthused about it. But let's get to a little bit more uh, Panthers talk real quick. We know we've been talking about this coaching staff a lot, this all-star coaching staff, as I do air quotes that you people can't see uh, out there in radio land. But what do we feel like at this point will have a bigger impact on Carolina, the coaching staff or whatever roster moves they will make and the final roster? Well, I think especially if you compare it to the first iteration of this year's coaching staff, then it might be the it will be the coaching staff, right? Because the first iteration was Matt Rule leading the way. And then you saw the difference a Steve Wilkes upgrade can make when he took over the same roster instead of Matt Rule still being at the helm. But they still have work to do, right? They still have some other areas to address. That's not just at quarterback. I think the first one I go to at, when we talk about some of the other positions of need, it's always edge rusher opposite of Brian Burns. I do think there is someone you would like to rely on a little bit more so in the passing game, second receiver, tight end. We just talked about that a little bit with Tony Pauline linebacker, right? Like you have some different spots that you need to address as well that you don't feel fantastic about, but clearly you need a quarterback and you have a great coaching staff. So at, at least with the guys that they have available, it's it's not like they're new. There's so much coaching experience where they have a resume where if you bring in a bunch of fresh faces, then it might just be that the coaching staff's not very good, right? Mm -hmm. But at least with this coaching staff, you've seen Frank Reich have success. You've seen this with Avero, who's actually one of the younger coaches on your staff right now. We've seen him have success with Denver if you give him the right pieces. Same thing with Jim Caldwell. Same thing with Dom Capers. And so when you have this experience-laden staff within your franchise, I think a lot of that goes to show you if you give them the right players, then everything will be okay. But if you don't, then that is going to be something that kind of falls on the front office and Scott Fitterer and the players at hand. And so that's why I think it'll be interesting to see how we evaluate how the season goes. Cause I believe in the coaching staff. They've given us a lot of reasons to believe in their, and their past stops. Why I believe in that staff, they still have to figure out a couple of other areas to address with the personnel. I think no matter how good this coaching staff is, I think it will come down ultimately to the roster. Because when you look at where these guys came from, some of the things that they did, we don't, uh, the Panthers don't have some of those tools when you talk about the Denver Broncos uh, and the job that Everett did with that defense. But I know, you know, people will say, like I said, you have to have that cover guy, which many around here believe that we do. But then you have to be able to generate that pass rush. Now, the one thing I will give him, even though Bradley Chubb, the, the jury is out on how great he may be. But when he was down, they were still able to generate pass rush and still able to be. A, uh, a dominant defense. So we'll see because like a lot of people say, and Steve Smith came in here and said it as well, it's about the Jimmys and Joes as well. And I think they need to uh, upgrade this roster. These coaches are going to have their acumen called into question when guys aren't out there getting the job done. Now, with that said, with those roster tweaks and some of the things that you could look for out there, are there some guys, and let's just go top three you know, that will be free agents that in an ideal world you would love for them to be on the Carolina Panthers roster? So I, I think position-wise, I'd rather draft an opposite edge rusher than sign one in free agency. And especially when we talk about NFL draft and free agency, how do you want to build? It's all about what positions do you think a veteran could come in and help you now and it's okay to not have to groom somebody for the future, right? And so I, I kind of 
depending on if you draft a QB number nine, if you don't go that route and there's an edge rusher there at number nine for you, I know Miles Murphy has been a big talking point as far as that position's concerned. I think I'd rather go Murphy, see that talent, try to develop what could be an awesome one-two combo, especially if Murphy pans out, then you can get an edge rusher on a nice rookie scale contract. And so that's something I'd be interested in. I'd rather go free agency when it comes to the offensive line, especially at guard, because if you're talking about the offensive line right now, I've said it a couple times. Austin Corbett suffered a pretty bad injury at the end of the season. It's going to keep him out for a long time, and that's going to prolong his rehab process. So do you need to go out in free agency, sign a guard, a veteran guy, to go alongside a Taylor Moten, playing maybe alongside Bradley Bozeman, if we want to use his name in free agency? I think continuity along an offensive line is huge. And if you can keep Bozeman here who seems to love it in Charlotte. And I think fans love Bozeman here in Charlotte just because of what he's like off of the field too. Seems like a phenomenal guy. I think Bozeman guard. So bringing both of those types of players here and then maybe drafting a defensive end, just talking about a few positions of need. I think that's how I would tack all those positions. Uh, I think so at the top of my list in the ideal world, uh, again, for the Panthers who I think they could go out and get, Depending on what that Skrilla is looking like, but that's why I said in an ideal world, I think Josh Jacobs would be a guy that you could go out and get. Uh, I'm not sure what the Raiders are going to do with him. They just paid are a you, lot of money. To, are you willing to pay that much money for a running back? With the season he had, yes. Yeah, I would. And I think in the, in the reason I say that, too, is the versatility because you look at the receptions. Last year he goes 16-53. Now, the touches do kind of bother you because you talk about hitting that magic number that guys don't come back from. I can't remember what it is. I think it's 350, 375, somewhere in there as far as the touches. He had 340 carries, and he caught 53 balls. So that's a big workload right there. But I mean, but why would you trade Christian McCaffrey and then go after Josh Jacobs this offseason? Well, because you do want a back that's more versatile. Like you said, you don't have – and I said depending on what that number would be for him. Like – Let's see, you know, we can look up and see what his his ideal contract would be. But I'm just saying that you go get him, he's younger. And like I said, in your backfield, you want a versatile running back that can make plays for you in the passing game and the running game. So I think that he would be a good pickup. Yeah, I don't I think it's gonna cost like what, ten, twelve million. I mean, Josh Jacobs is gonna be looking for the bag after the type of year that he had. And that is not something that I want to do because I think that falls right into the same thing you did with Christian McCaffrey that eventually had you trading him in what wasn't even a full-on tank. I mean, we had been talking about Carolina trading Christian McCaffrey for a couple of seasons. Now, yes, you did have the health concerns if you were pro-trading Christian McCaffrey, but not so against paying a running back. I understand some of that. But Josh Jacobs, if you traded McCaffrey, who I think we all agree is a better running back than Jacobs, and then you pay Jacobs now hitting free agency, something even within the same ballpark as McCaffrey, because he's not going to sign for like, what, seven, eight million. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's something I would do. I'd much rather. I know you're very against signing a wide receiver top dollar. I'd be way more against signing Josh Jacobs. If we if it gets to the contract value, I think it's going to. I'd be way against that, bringing that aboard Carolina. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, running backs, when you say base salaries, CMC's up there, 11-8, Ezekiel Elliott, 10-9. 10-8 for Chubb. I mean, with the year that he had, could he command more than that? 12, 13 million, we'll see. Uh, also, you look at a guy like, I, I, I talked about getting a nose guard for that defense, so if you don't want to draft one, a guy like Dalvin Tomlinson from the Minnesota Vikings that goes about 325, 330, 
You can stick him in the middle as that 3-4 nose guard, give you what you need there. And then I would say um, taking a cap from Fitty's team, Dalton Schultz. I mean, this is a guy that could be an odd man out in Dallas with all the offensive guys that they're paying. The Panthers are going to be in line looking for a dependable tight end uh, to give you that production in that position, and I think uh, he could be that guy. Yeah, Dalton Schultz, that's kind of fascinating because we know the need at tight end for Carolina. Do you want it to be a, a, a thing where you have not been able to hit outside of Greg Olson and then you want to pay big money? to somebody like Dalton Schultz, are you kind of cementing him outside of the draft being your second target in the passing game? You know, I, I don't think that's awful, but at the same time, the contract projection, according to PFF, would be about $14.5 It's a little much for me, but at the same time, Dalton is an awesome tight end. Like, he's very good yeah, when he's healthy. And you need one, and especially for a young quarterback, they say it all the time, uh, you know, he's a quarterback's best friend, and we're going to go to one of our best friends <laughs> and get the last flash of the day. Yeah, no, I would hate to lose Schultz and Dallas, but I think he'd be a great fit here in Carolina. Great blocker, and he's a versatile pass catcher. You can use him in, in multiple different ways in the passing game. Uh, some sad news coming out of Major League Baseball as legendary and longtime broadcaster Tim McCarver passed away today at 81 years old. He spent wow. almost 15 years uh, with the Mets booth back in the 80s through the 90s. Of course, by the time I grew up, he was the voice of the World Series along with Joe Buck. Just a, just a massive loss for the baseball broadcasting world because he was one of the best to ever do it on the biggest stage. Yeah, I mean, working alongside a couple Hall of Fame pitchers, Bob Gibson. Also, you're talking about Steve Carlton as well. So working with a couple of Hall of Famers like that, him being a Hall of Famer himself, sad to see McCarver pass away. Yeah, for sure. I mean, a lot of great memories, a lot of great calls that he had. He was the guy that got into it with Dion too, correct? They had the feud Not together. Sure. Don't remember that. I think it was I think it was Tim McCarver, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, RIP to him. And when we come back... I will have your Black History Sports Hero of the Day, and we'll talk about what's on tap. You're immersed in the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken, so maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. We're back. It's the Weston Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. And this is your Black History Sports Hero of the Day. We're going to talk about... Drink up. Let's celebrate. Yeah, we're going to drink up too. Black history, baby. I'm with it. Let's party. <laughs> Let's do it. We're going to talk about Duke Slater, a man that was so good the NFL couldn't keep him out. He was the NFL's first African-American lineman. Helped to pave the way for cats like myself to be able to play offensive line, defensive line, and often he was the only black player on the field. For a black player in the 1920s and 30s, it was quite an achievement 
Listen, this guy in high school had to choose between buying shoes or a helmet and was still playing without a helmet as a college senior, okay? But shoes were tough for this guy to get as well. He was 6'1", 215 pounds, but the man wore 14 and a half. Shoot, that's a, that's a big foot, my man. And so he was an All-American at the University of Iowa. He created running room in the NFL for such stars as Ernie Nevers and Jim Thorpe. He was chosen All-Pro three times. George Hallis called the man the Rock of Gibraltar. I mean, what a nickname. And check this out. The only game he missed in 10 NFL seasons was against the Kansas City Blues was due to a league agreement preventing blacks from playing in Missouri. That's the only reason. He didn't miss it. I mean, that he missed the game. And then after he retired, the league imposed a ban on blacks that lasted until 1946. He died in 1966 at the age of 67. But also, he broke barriers in other facets of life as well. He graduated from Iowa's law school while still in the NFL. He worked as a prosecutor and in the Illinois Commerce Department and was elected as a judge. In 1960, he became the first black judge to serve on the Superior Court uh, of Chicago. The pioneering two-way lineman was part of the centennial class of the NFL Hall of Fame announced in 2020 to celebrate the NFL's 100th season. So hats off to a great man, Mr. Duke Slater. Jex wrote in as a size 15, 16. Myself, I salute that man. I think just wanted to drop the shoe size. But also, if you were a size 14 and a half back then, it had to be impossible to oh, buy God. shoes. You it had to have awful. them specially made yeah, for you. You had to choose between the shoes or it's him. 100%. All right. He said, I'll just take the shoes. Um, so, yeah, we can still party for Black History Sports Hero of the Day. That's fine. I, that, I'm down to drink some beer and have that soundbite. But also, I will attribute uh, that soundbite to what's on tap. If you just want to play it again, there we go, baby. Cool. Getting drunk here in the last segment of Weston Walker. What's on tap? Charlotte 49ers playing some basketball tonight at Halton Arena. They're going to be hosting Western Kentucky. Both of these programs, 14 and 11 this year, Charlotte disappointing season. And it really started off very hot. I thought Ron Sanchez was about to have this team cooking for the entire season um, in conference play. But now if you look at the standings in conference USA, Charlotte is towards the bottom. They are the third worst team when it comes to conference USA, Western Kentucky, just above them at six and eight in the conference, Charlotte at five and nine. And if you look at Charlotte's season so far, I mentioned it the other day. West, they're losing so many one-possession basketball games. Now, that didn't happen the last two against North Texas and UTEP. Um, FAU as well. Okay, so it's been a little bit worse here recently. But against FIU, it was three. Rice, it was two. WKU, they won by four. They lost to Middle Tennessee by four. Two against UTEP the first time around. That's what you don't like to see. When you were losing games, but they were all extremely tight, they could have gone either way. It was all 50-50 losses. Now you're starting to lose by double digits. It's trending the wrong direction for the Charlotte 49er basketball team. Big one tonight, 7 p.m. at the Halton Arena. Hopefully Charlotte can get things figured out, but this is going to be a very pressure-filled rest of the way for Ron Sanchez. I mean, it's taking so long to get Charlotte basketball back on the map, and I want it back in the worst way, man. Hopefully, if Sanchez isn't the guy for him, they can find someone who is. We also have 
Canadians and Hurricanes tonight as well. Canes back in action. So hockey analysis, do you want me to spare you or do you want to give us some? Uh, no hockey analysis tonight. Okay. I just hope that the Canes get the dub. Okay, perfect. That's honestly all the hockey analysis that I would give you as well. <laughs> I, I do want to spend a little more time on the 49ers though because you mentioned how long it's taken for us to get Charlotte basketball back. And we can go back to Bobby Lutz being gone from the team. And then you also have somebody like Alan Major come in, who was a great recruiter, who would get talent all the time. But those guys would oftentimes transfer out of the program. I mean, I can think of countless different players that were really talented that would eventually go to a different program. And then you would even have someone like Torin Dorn go to NC State, Keyshawn Woods go to Wake Forest, Kevin Keats got one of our guys at Charlotte and Denzel Ingram to go play at UNC Wilmington on and on and on power five schools like Illinois, USC, all across the country. They came getting our guys here in Charlotte. And so when you would recruit that kind of talent, build for one season, do okay, and then they would leave. That was the last time I can really look back and say, okay, we're really starting to cook. The only other example I can really think of is Ron Sanchez's, I believe it was the second year. They were finished like, or they were projected to finish like 12 out of 14. And then the pandemic year hit. They were, I believe, fourth in the conference at the end of that season, but no postseason play, yeah. and it all came to an end. It's tough because I think that was the year where Ron Sanchez could really build off of, and they haven't been able to get back since. Well, one thing, too, man, they, they've got to get that thing going and pump some money in there as well because the last time I was at Halton Arena, it's, it's just not an impressive place. I'm not sure about their facilities, but I don't think they put a lot of money into their facilities as well. And I think they really need to... You mean basketball-wise? Basketball-wise, yes, yes. I think they need to upgrade those as well. They, they need to put some pizzazz back in Charlotte basketball to get kids to want to come. See, I love Halton. I don't think it's any bias. I mean, I think I would, you know, say if the arena is something I didn't like, I, I do like Halton. I think it's a fun arena. Honestly, I want the environment to be better because I want Charlotte basketball to be better. And ultimately, you're going to have to have more wins in order for some of those fans to come aboard and cheer on the 49ers. Yeah, it was, it's, it's dope for arena. You're talking early 2000s, late 90s. <laughs> yeah, See, I didn't want to disparage the place because I'm like, well, the they might have us there one day. But I'm like, I mean, I, I, that, that place, man, they, they got to upgrade that thing. They got to get some juice back in that program. I don't know if this is a hot take either, but the Convocation Center in App State, where men's team plays and women's team plays as mm -hmm. well, I like that arena. It's just so dark. Because I feel like there's not enough lighting in there, but yeah. I actually like the court. I plus I love the outside, the way that it looks. Yeah. It, it doesn't. I look mean, you like have a, a lot of kids gym. right here in the city of Charlotte. You got the kid at North Mac. Uh, I forget his name. I'm sorry to him, but he's a four to five star prospect, depending on what you look at. I mean, kids like that should be considering Charlotte and want to go there. But there's no Jews that you don't see Charlotte ever online on social media doing anything with. With, uh, with their basketball program, there's no juice in that program. And look, it was always going to be tough once you had your best player, Jameer Young, leave the program, and then he transferred to Maryland. And so that was always going to be really hard to try to come back from that. But they weren't able to this year after the good start. And I think that's the thing that it hurts you but, so much is that the start that you had was awesome, and then it hasn't been it hasn't yeah, picked if up they don't, If they don't go with the majors, I mean, if they don't go with um, – Sanchez? Sanchez for the next season. They've got to knock this hire out of the park, man. They, they got to get that thing going. It's been too long. Yeah, hopefully Mike Hill is able to do so if they do move on from Coach Ron Sanchez. That'll do it for Wesson Walker. One more day to go. We'll be back with you tomorrow from 12 to 3. Until then, stick around here from 3 to 6 with the Kyle Bailey Show alongside Smoke Ludwig, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.